Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's The Falcon and Winter Soldier. We need new heroes, ones suited for the times we're in. On your left, and welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. In this first episode titled New World Order, we catch up with Sam and Bucky as they try to reconcile their past uh, and make up for lost time, uh, along with a new super-powered individual and even a new Captain America. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we jump out of a helicopter and fly through a falling canyon, let me introduce you to the dynamic duo joining me on the show this evening. As always, he's smart level-headed, and cares deeply for his family when he's not spreading his wings and rejecting his future. We've got Justin. Oh, I thought that was for Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think either one of these would really work for either of you, but now that he's spent more time calming down, even though he'll never forget the actions of his past, we have the sometimes rage-fueled robot with a big right arm, Kevin Hudson. Ah, oh, you made me the Bucky. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy it. I thought that felt more like, because you've got the hair. Look at your hair right mm-hmm, now. It's true, very Bucky. True, true. <laughs> How are you guys doing this fine, fine evening? Excited to talk about some Falcon Winter Soldier. Let's do right, this. Right, it seems like we just finished uh, our WandaVision Watch Club, uh, and then we immediately uh, just get more Marvel goodness. We did just finish our WandaVision yeah. Watch Club. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and, right, and I've been right. itching all week for some sort of Marvel M- MCU level. <laughs> it's just, I. It's like adrenaline. It's like it's it's in me now. I just need it. So yeah, yeah. So my, Disney, listen. If you're listening, you better keep this up for the rest of forever. Uh, but before we get into the plot and skydive into our thoughts on this premiere episode, let's start with a brief overview of your high level thoughts on the episode. Justin, uh, let's start with yourself. Well, I have to say. Um, if you've listened to our WandaVision Watch Club, where we discussed how weird and how different that whole series was, this was a nice return to the MCU norm and just dealing with uh, post-snap, post-blip life uh, for yes. these heroes, and not just for the heroes, for the rest of the world. So, you know, I really enjoyed uh, how we're now stepping into this part of the MCU to kind of understand mm-hmm. the world now and some really interesting stuff. I, I, I think they've planted some some cool seeds about uh, what this world looks like, which I'll get into as we as we go deeper. But um, yeah, I think it was it was great. It had the right vibes that really matched the Falcon and Bucky hero uh, persona, if you will. Uh, so For sure. very traditional to what we might have already seen in other movies. Um, but you know what? It's it's. Uh, it already just in the first episode you see how different this is from wandavision just right off the bat yes. so i'm looking forward to it yeah absolutely i think it's um 
it's it's different and it's also very much familiar, right? At the exactly, same time, exactly. Um, Kevin, what was uh, what was your initial impressions of the episode? Uh, yeah, kind of like Justin touched on, just to go from that zany, really bizarre world of Wandavision to go here, and it's so much more grounded. You know, you got Sam ironing a shirt, you've got yeah. uh, you know Bucky in therapy. Like this is like real world stuff. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I got to say, I loved it. I loved the slower sort of, uh, you know, more in depth, uh, you know, sort of approach that they're taking with this. And, um, and now this is no slight against far from home, but I'm loving what they're doing, showing the importance and the significance of the blip. And mm, I get that. Yeah. I get that Spider-Man was supposed to sort of be this like sort of fun, bounce back after the heaviness of everything that happened in Endgame, but they really just went, yeah, the blip happened, everyone's back, and we're just moving on. And it's like, no, that was significant. That was 23 movies building up to that event, and so I'm glad they're now putting the focus into those things, and I think the TV format is the perfect way to do it. So I really enjoyed where this is going. Absolutely. To your point, right? Like, the the incredible action moments uh, in this episode on par for the MCU, but how they're juxtaposed by the incredible slow-paced character moments. Um, like you said, seeing Bucky in therapy or Sam trying to reconnect with his family or when they go to the bank, like <laughs> just stuff like that, like answering these very grounded, very human questions that we get with these kinds of characters. And I think, I think Justin, to your point, it established the, the feel uh, for the way I think that the series is going to go. So I can't wait to see what's next. Um, and again, the episode felt way shorter than 42 minutes. Like it, like we said for almost every WandaVision episode, it was just like, it felt like it was 20 minutes long. I don't know. I, 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 even though there were slower moments, it still felt so quick. And like, this is crazy. First Marvel makes me give a damn about Wanda and Vision. Now they're going to make <laughs> me like Bucky. Like, they're doing the impossible here. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, speaking of doing the impossible. Let's do uh just like how Bucky's therapist, you know, digs deep into this into his his mind. <laughs> let's uh let's dig deep into this plot, shall we? We open to see Sam preparing his suit for what feels like a funeral as we hear the dialogue from Avengers Endgame of an old Steve Rogers asking Sam, "How does it feel?" to which he responds with, "Like it's someone else's." And Steve responds with, "It isn't." We cut to Sam on a mission uh, to take down LAF, a criminal organization that has kidnapped U.S. Captain Vassant. Uh, with Vassant in tow, LAF attempts to enter into Libyan airspace, which would prevent the U.S. Air Force from going after them as to risk an international conflict. With Lieutenant Torres on the ground as Sam's eyes and ears, we see Sam soar through the sky uh, and land on an abducted U.S. airship. Uh, and sacre bleu, we see that this group is being commanded by returning MCU miniboss, Georges Batroc. Uh, after some light flying and uh, a few blown up helicopters, Sam is successful in recovering Vassant, uh, but Batroc seemingly gets away. So guys, I want to know, what were your thoughts of this opener? But also, you know, this brings me to my first kind of two questions. Number one, what did you think of the return of Batroc into the MCU? Does this mean we're going to see more of the LAF in this series? Um, and two, what did you think of Lieutenant Torres? Uh, and are you aware of the significance of his entry into the series? Justin, let's start with yourself. Well, the opening scene felt like the opening scene of uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, where he's infiltrating the boat, same villain that he's actually finding on the boat. Um, so, you know, basically it's it's kind of, it's, it's, it's very, 
interesting that it's the same person that he's tracking in, in this one sam is is tracking but it does have that action set tone first piece of the episode that really does establish the level of action also sam or or the falcon's role in this sort of government uh initiative to you know i guess clean up the world post blip you know what i mean um you know he he still has work essentially as a hero that's that's what this pretty much affirms um so i thought that was i thought it was interesting to have that to to your point about uh, uh the character uh torres uh yes I, I i believe we've we've discussed this already but uh in the comics he is the predecessor to the falcon while the falcon is captain america um but different though be, because i think in in um like in the comics, he, his wings aren't aren't robotic or mechanical. They're actually like it's like more of like a mutation. So yeah, he's a mutant. Yeah. So oh. like, so like, yes. I don't know if like, I don't know. I, I I like the idea of potentially giving him if he does inevitably become the the new Falcon. That's cool because he could definitely lean into uh, the the Avengers uh, champion group and the Teen Teen Avengers. But um, I don't know. I think it's early to speculate and say what, how, what's going to happen with this character, right? Like, it's just interesting that they've introduced again another person from the comics, though. Yeah, I don't know. I think he'll be pretty significant, Kevin. I hope so because I loved him. I thought he he was so fun and like it, I always love the character that's almost like playing the fan, watch like us as the audience watching yes. these superheroes do cool stuff. And he's just like, this is awesome, you know? And so yeah. he brought so much fun to it. And so I would love, I don't know if they'll go the sort of mutant route with it, but I would love to see them sort of um, shift it. If he, if Sam becomes Cap and he becomes Falcon, I would love to see them pair up at some point again. Um, and then with GSP coming back, like they have hundreds <laughs> of characters that we've been introduced to over the years. And anytime one pops up, it just brings that connectivity to all the movies and stuff that much i love anytime they do it it's a lot of fun and we get another cameo in a couple scenes and so it's like how many people are actually going to pop in and out of this show that you know it's exciting to speculate who we might see in the future yeah it feels like um at least for certain characters i can't say all of them but for certain characters it does feel like there's um and again I don't want to. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of Mephisto's going to be in the show, and you know Doctor Strange is going to be in the show, and all that stuff like we did for for Wandavision. But I, I do think that there is more of a chance, Kevin, to your point, uh, that we might see little moments uh, here and there from certain heroes uh, that are in and around that area. Um, but yeah, like I love I love Torres. I thought he was very charming and endearing, and like when he's like when he sees the wings extend, he's like wow, and then like yeah. his jump at the end, like it was like the like you could have freeze framed his jump at the very end and rolled the credits and i would right. be like all right we did it um some so cheesy really, really track going over yeah. it yeah <laughs> really fantastic and i think i think with the return of betrock i i think that this means that he is going to be uh, a part of it I, I i don't know if laf necessarily is going to come back um but i do think he definitely will because otherwise they wouldn't have showed him you know getting away right yeah i i think that the, the again to kevin's point bringing these characters back in to the fray at any point just to connect that thread you know they're not they're not eliminating him because like even in winter soldier they ended up capturing him and interrogating him that's how they found out that like nick fury was involved in in the whole conspiracy right so right um anyways yeah i think it's i think it's interesting though that that you know again they use the same character they've they brought him back um it looks like though that organizations like 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 terror groups are going to be a thing 
in this this yes. series uh opposing yep. sort of things right because uh i think you it's the scene that's going to follow that will kind of outline i guess who our potential bad guys might be mm-hmm. well and i think yeah. and i think because we're dealing with superheroes that aren't like you know necessarily superheroes as much as you know your wandas and your visions and your your sort of you know superpower people it's yeah. it's actual yeah. soldiers and actual people you have to ground the villains a little bit more to make the the fight seem a bit more realistic or plausible uh and like this action scene just showcased that like i love how so good you know Obviously, he's an excellent pilot. Not anybody could just jump in that suit and be able to fly the way he does. But he is assisted by all of this incredible technology and the little, you know, the bird that comes off of his backpack there and is flying and helping him out. I just thought that was like, that was awesome. That was a lot of fun. I I love how the, when he's getting shot with the bullets, how it almost feels like it's like an automatic suit response to when he like puts up his wings and uses them as a shield. Right. Like as if it did it before he he knew to do it. I don't know. I just... I love that. Um, yeah, the action was incredible in this opening scene. And also, just to go back to that Steve Rogers line at the beginning, it just, it, I feel like this is a thing. Is this going to be a thing now where, like, the beginning of, like, every single TV in the in the Disney Plus series is at least, like, every character starts with, like, a, a flashback dialogue from the movie. Like, we got that with, with uh, Monica Rambeau as well. And I, I just, like, it's so cool to me that we've gotten to the place where now we have, like, flashback dialogue moments you know what i mean like it's just crazy to think well, like that's how much this uh this you know these these series have uh evolved over time i i think it's great though that they started with that opening line it just really sets up the fact that even cap knew that he was the right fit to hold that shield yeah. and i think that's yeah. going to be very much the the sort of antithesis or the the sort of footnote to this entire series uh, as we see this exploration exploration is that he is able to hold that shield because he represents a different kind of captain america um so i i I think it was very smart for them to start with it because i think they're showing all their cards right there by really kind of hammering like revisiting that moment yeah i love that he didn't just go okay i'm the new Captain America, right? It would be such a huge mantle to try and take on. There would be so much pressure and so much you would have to expect of yourself because everyone's going to expect it of you. And so I love that his struggle is going to be realizing that, like, you know, it's not he didn't just pick up the shield. He was given it. He was chosen by Steve himself. So it'll be him realizing that he is the right one in the end. It's going to be a fun journey, I think. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So then, guys, we cut back to Tunisia. Uh, where Sam and Torres, uh, or Torres, are sitting Torres. down to drinks. Torres uh, are sitting down to drinks, uh, and Sam is repairing Red Wing. Uh, Torres tells Sam about the Flag Smashers, uh, a group of extremists who think the world was better during the blip and who want a world without borders. Uh, Torres then floats a theory as to Cap's whereabouts uh, and how he might be on the moon. Guys, before we move on, I need to know, what did you think of, of first of all, Torres' incessant questioning here? Is he just a fanboy or is something else going on yeah. there? Uh, and do you really think Steve is on the moon? Was that an allusion to to Nick Fury being in space more than it? You know? I think right, like because Nick Nick's Nick's in space. We know this, right? So Cap could easily be up there with him. You know, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Think so. Well, yeah, no. I, I don't know, but like it, it does bring up a really good question. What does the world think happened 
to Captain America. Right. Did they t- explain yeah. that they had to travel back in time to like go get these stones so that they could undo like they everything? didn't. No, of course uh, not. Yeah, I don't think so. I think maybe he died in battle. Is like he died in the big fight, I yes. think is maybe what everyone's led to believe. Okay, right? so yeah, and I and I think that was what was interesting is that we were getting information from Torres about how much they basically do know of what happened, right? Because obviously yeah. like in WandaVision with Darcy, we do get like a really like she it's almost like she watched the movie she's like you know when she's telling vision like yeah like she she had to kill you only to watch you get reborn and killed you you know what i mean like as if you were trying to explain that scene to uh, your friend who hadn't seen avengers or you know reliving it it was it was very meta so i feel like there's there's just that layer to to his questions that he's asking that feel very like to to the point of what you know we're we're saying he's very fanboy but he wants the in, right? Like he wants the in. He's like, yo, come on, tell me seriously, what happened to Cap? Is he on the moon? <laughs> I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that that they even brought up Steve's whereabouts because they really didn't have to. Uh, and so I think it they might actually touch upon that in the show. It's possible, but I I love the idea of Torres becoming the next Falcon once Sam fully takes on Captain America's you know the mantle. But but I think there's going to be some conflict first. I, I honestly think they're setting him up to be so likable and so relatable that it's going to strike even deeper when he betrays Sam. I just, I think he's too curious. I think he's asking too many questions. And I think he's too closely connected to the U.S. government for us to trust him. Because, I mean, in this series, you know, Nick Fury said it best in... in, in uh, in Winter Soldier, you can't trust anyone, right? So I think it was interesting okay. when Torres calls out the fact that, um, you know, people think that the world was a better place uh, before, you know, before everyone came back. And I think that that's interesting because I think that's going to be very much an undertone. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, go further with that idea, I think, through this episode. But I feel like that's that's something that will live in this world. Like, was it right for them to bring back everyone? Well, he says it like he almost believes it. You know what I mean? Like, he, the way he says it, it's like... Are you 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 are you are you agree with them? He followed like, up. He followed up weird. pretty quickly. He's sick. He's like you know they believe that it was better before. He's like it wasn't. Trust me, right? Like because he was still here. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like he was yeah. there. So, mm. so I think I think he knows. He's just he he kind of maybe kind of maybe to your point might feel like he kind of agrees with that point. I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait. And I don't see. know. I don't know. I think he's he feels torn, but. Anyways, we come back to a memorial service for the donation of Cap Shield to the Smithsonian, uh, with Sam basically saying, thanks, but uh, this belongs to you, big guy. Uh, so after a brief conversation with a very concerned James Rhodes uh, about how the world is broken, Sam is left contemplating his decision to leave the Shield. Uh, so guys, first off, did you expect to see Don Cheadle show up in the series, at, at least even this early? Uh, and do you think we'll see him again, or was this the last time we see him uh, before Armor Wars? Justin? I think we'll see him again, but I think that it, you know, like to have him in the, sh- in the show makes sense. It's, it's, it was just a nice sort of alignment, right? You know, apart from the fact that they're both uh, taking the mantles of, of their white predecessors or they've been asked to in some way uh to to primarily black heroes um and i also think that it's interesting how he asks him like why didn't you like why didn't you take up that mantle like why didn't you feel like it was and i think hinting at the idea that the world is not right even after everyone's come back like it wasn't all honky dory it's not everyone's like you know kumbaya everyone's happy yeah he literally says the world is broken Right. He says there's people on both sides that we can't trust. Um, you know, friends are now enemies. Enemies are now friends. Like he, he kind of just talks about 
kind of all this stuff. And and yeah, I, I think he's it to a certain point. He's he's disappointed, right? He's disappointed that it's that Sam's not uh, accepting this uh, this this huge responsibility. But at the same time, I think he also kind of understands a little bit too. Well, and what a world we live in, where like we're just gonna get like an unannounced Don Cheadle. Uh, cameo in a show like right. that's amazing and it's just like oh yeah. there he is cool yeah um you know and so yeah. it, i think it almost poses the bigger question like of like who are we going to see uh going forward and we sort of talked earlier about you know what are they trying to say here and what does this mean about what the world knows about captain america and what they think might have actually happened to him um do we see old cap make an appearance in this show at some point like wouldn't that be just like like I would, I would flip out. That for would that. be crazy. But Kevin, to your point about seeing Don Cheadle just show up, it, it literally, I did, it didn't register with me immediately. Like I just saw it, and I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then like, uh, like the part where they walk in and they see they're talking next to the shield, I'm like, holy crap! Like <laughs> Rhodey's in the show. Like I, I just, it was something. It didn't, it didn't hit me right away. So, um, yeah, I love that he's always the, he's always the voice of reason, right? Like first for Tony and now for Sam. Like he. He seems to always really know what's going on, and I love I love that he knows, you know, Sam, just to your point, Justin, that he should be Captain America and how much the world needs specifically him as Captain America now more than ever because um, it's just it's just too cool to see how the MCU, uh, is, you know, is and, and always has, has done its part to address real-world events, and I think, I think that is very much uh, a moment where the show is, is actually even talking to the audience in a way. Well, let me just quickly say like if you were at this memorial service you know one of the great superheroes of all time has died apparently and only war machine shows up like only roadie shows no nobody else from the avengers shows up to this funeral service like i'd be like what's going it, on here so you know? I, for me though i didn't register it i will say <laughs> that it, it maybe felt like a funeral service but it felt like more like yeah was it was it more of the passing up like he it was yeah. the, the the induction of the shield exactly into the, okay yeah okay and it, okay. That, that's what that event was was sort of but i do agree with you that it 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 in the way that they've depicted it especially him getting ready right like at the beginning and ironing it feels like he's going to a funeral Right. Like it, it does yeah. feel it does have that sort of like that softness as he's reliving the memory and stuff like that. And knowing that 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 scene plays where he's passing off the shield like that just gives that scene that much more context as to what it really means to him. It is a kind of a funeral to him. Right. To to, to the Falcon. So um, but guys, now from one James to another, uh, we see a moment from the past uh, as the Winter Soldier blasts through the wall to take out Russian a Russian mob boss. Uh, and in doing so, he comes across an innocent bystander uh, who sees him and then he proceeds to aim his gun and pi- and proceeds to aim his gun and kill the poor young man in cold blood. Immediately after that gunshot, we see Bucky Barnes wake up in a cold sweat while sleeping on the floor of his very empty apartment. Uh, This moment then moves to a therapy session uh, where Bucky and his therapist discuss his pardon and the three rules he must follow to recover from his PTSD and cross the names off of his list of amends. Uh, While he breaks two of those three rules, uh, we see him setting up the capture of Senator Atwood, uh, who was a hydropon in the United States Senate. When he uh, when he tells her, I am no longer the Winter Soldier. I am James Bucky Barnes, and you're part of my efforts to make amends. The therapist asks for his phone and tells him he's alone uh, and then lets him know he's free. Uh, he then responds with, to do what? 
So guys, what did you think of this deeper look into the psyche of Bucky Barnes? I think my biggest problem with Bucky has always been he's been a bit flat. And I understand why as the character, you know, he's like a, he was basically like a, you know, under a, under this spell of, of Hydra. And he was, you know, just a, a mindless drone doing their work. Um, and there was just so much personality and charm in this therapy scene. And I'm like, I could really start to like this guy, you know. And obviously, <laughs> yeah. he's. Ne- I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, happy-go-lucky. But sure. Happy-go-lucky Bucky, if you will. But um, I think <laughs> we're going to see him sort of maybe soften up a bit as he's dealing with this PTSD. And maybe, you know, as Sam's coming to grips with becoming Cap, he's going to have to, you know, come to grips with being Bucky and not the Winter Soldier. And so that's that's going to be a really interesting journey. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned uh, happy go lucky Bucky or happy Bucky. It's 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 it is interesting both the callbacks and the juxtaposition to Captain America, right? Like you know we we see him sleeping on the floor of his apartment, which is a great callback to when Sam and Steve had their conversation after working out around the uh, the Washington Monument. Uh, how he talks about like sinking, he feels like he could sink to the floor because his bed's too soft. Um, and uh, and then also just the fact that he keeps a little paper list, just like how Steve Rogers kept a little paper list of all the things that he missed. Um, that was very much like a fun like happy thing to to, to try and achieve uh, and you've got you know Bucky Barnes you know with this list of amends that he has to kind of uh, make up for but um, yeah I mean I just I really enjoyed seeing yet again another Marvel character deal with his mental health right I mean we got Wanda dealing with her grief through WandaVision and now we get Bucky you know and the real world turmoil that he's in as he navigates this world as a quote-unquote uh, free man. I just think it's it's just so cool that we've gotten to this place with superheroes that this is the kind of stuff we're talking about on a podcast. I don't know. Yeah, well, it, I think it just goes without saying we, what we said about Wanda and Vision. It's like they didn't get their character-focused stories like the Iron Man, the Hulk, the Thor, the the eccentric ones. This is what this is now, right? Like, I agree with Kevin. I was like, you know, Sebastian Stan is, uh, is a great actor. He was casted as Bucky Barnes and to play the Winter Soldier. He hasn't really done much other than just to be a very one-note character. This is the most that we've seen of, of a range on his character. Probably the second closest would be like Civil War when you got to see, yeah. the, you know, the, the bickering and the buddy cop vibe from Sam and, and Bucky. But this like I think this this scene to me like he was the highlight of this whole episode for me was was Bucky. That being said, I do agree with you, Kevin. I think the balance between how Sam finds his way to be Captain America is going to be almost aligned or parallel to how Bucky copes with not being with the Winter Soldier anymore, but embracing what his strength is and and doing what's right. You know, not being the villain, not being the bad guy, right? So, and knowing how he has to has to step in. Very cool. Uh, so, guys, then we cut back to Brooklyn where we see um, Bucky stopping a confrontation between Unique and uh, and a good and his good friend uh, Yori Nakajima. Uh, after promising Yori lunch, the two hit up Izzy's uh, where they discuss the obituary, and uh, Yori sets up Bucky on his first date since 1943. Uh, Yori sees some red bean mochi uh, and recalls his son's fondness for it as he mentions how he never really found out how his son died. Um, so, guys, knowing knowing that Yori is on Bucky's list of amends, how hard did it hit you when you realized just who Yori was? And what did you think of this moment of, of camaraderie juxtaposed by this moment of sort of darkness, sadness, and regret? Because, honestly, and I know I say this a lot, but I cried a little bit. <laughs> 
Well, so it's just another one of those like looking at this superhero world um, uh, through a realistic lens. And so, yeah. you know, what Bucky's, you know, Bucky's story obviously is parallel to, um, you know, this character's son in that he doesn't know what happened to him. And so Bucky's probably sitting here this whole time thinking like my poor parents, they never knew what happened to me. Oh, wow. I went off to the yeah. war. And they never knew what happened to me. And so I think that's where a lot of his guilt comes from, is that he's the cause of of this father never knowing what happened to his son. And so it was that was it was like the most powerful part of the episode for me, I think, yeah. this whole interaction in their story. Yeah, when when I clued in when he started talking about his son, that I'm like, Oh, like that's the nightmare he had, killing his son. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you know, what he's doing is as he has two lists. He has two lists, really. The people that he's killed to make amends with them, but also the people that, that like, you know, the Hydra people, just to let them know, I'm no longer, you know, I'm no longer on this Hydra. I'm, not, I'm right. no longer the Winter Soldier, so please stop yeah, bothering yeah. me, because I will yeah, hurt stop you. Sending your, <laughs> stop sending me the emails. Can you get me off the email list, please? Yeah. yeah. I've unsubscribed, like, 12 times here. Um, so, I, But I, I think, though, this is where the heart of Bucky's journey or what we see the beginning of Bucky's journey in this series is, 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 you know, coping with that. Because I think even what it shows is that even though he was a machine that just killed somewhere behind that, he realized this wasn't right. So that's why it's still retained and it stayed with him. Right. Like it, it's something that he questioned. Very cool. I love seeing Bucky as an old man. Like so easily befriending befriending another old man, like given given his age, right? It makes sense that they they both do the old man tropes of discussing the obituaries and uh, playing pinochle or whatever it's called. Like I just thought, and he's like, "What's wrong with pinochle?" <laughs> it's just so good because you know he means it. Um, uh, so, guys, actually, that brings us to our. Uh, we actually have a couple writing questions. Uh, first, Tyler from California writes in and asks. Uh, with Bucky being an older man and his love for Pinochle or Pinnacle or whatever it's called, um, I was wondering what would be the first thing you would do on your first date in ninety years, uh, Justin? What would you What would you do as your, in your first date in ninety years? Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough one. I really don't know. I I, I honestly I, I feel like Kevin. What would you do? Well, I mean, if you're Bucky, you know, so you're. You know, you've got that late 1930s mentality. You'd be like, okay, let's go hop in the car and we'll drive around. You know, you would go maybe get a milkshake and yeah. maybe go <laughs> yeah. see a movie that was yeah, popular with picture. the kids. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, then maybe do a little necking, you know, if you're lucky. <laughs> so, well, um, yeah, I, I think, I think for, I was thinking if I was 90, but still like, you know, I was, you know, Bucky's age, but I had lived through this period of time. Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably want to do something that was more conversational because who knows, 90 years from now, people will only probably be dating through like VR sets and I definitely would not be up for that. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, maybe the te technology would scare you so much that you're like, okay, we're not playing video games. We're not watching movies. We're just going to have a chat. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? You don't want to play a game of cribbage with me? You know? <laughs> Well, I was I was also I was thinking honestly for me I was thinking like I would see if she like shuffleboard 
and then I would take her to a moving picture because shuffleboard slaps, all right? And, you know, you see romantic comedies, they play shuffleboard in there as well. So I think it would just, I think it would work really well because, uh, I don't know, guys. If you guys play shuffleboard, it's great. Only um, on a cruise. Only, <laughs> only when I cruise. Only when you cruise. Uh, guys, we have a second writing question here from friend of the show and host of Press YYZ Podcast, uh, Mr. Mitch George, who wants to know, uh, what other old person references do you think we'll see Bucky make in this series? <laughs> hmm. I, think, I think we'll see some money jokes. 100%. Yeah. Some like, you know, I remember when those used to be a nickel. He's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm very surprised if you get that sort of yeah, yeah. That'd be great. I also think like um, there's a scene in the trailer where we see Bucky and Sam like walking for a, for a prolonged period of time. So I wonder if we're gonna get a comment about like back in my day, I had to walk uphill both ways or something like that, Maybe, or even right? you know. Um, but very cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for your questions, Tyler and Mitch. Now, sadly, Justin. <sighs> I can't seem to quite remember the series of words that I need to say to unlock the email address that our listeners can use to write into the show. Uh, would you happen to remember the code words? Uh, yes. The code words are wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. I am the Winter Soldier. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so guys, we come back to see uh, Uncle Sam uh, greet his excited nephews and his sister Sarah uh, as they discuss the selling of their family's fishing boat. Uh, Sam suggests that he has a plan for how to help his sister get out of debt uh, and still keep the boat. Uh, now, guys, we're going to go a bit out of order here so that we can stick with Sam and Sarah for a bit, um, just so you guys know, okay? So then we see Sam discussing his plans to help while prepping meals for delivery as the two head off to the bank. Um, they, they, they go out to the bank to discuss taking out a loan uh, from probably the, the douchiest bank teller uh, who, who won't stop asking for selfies in the most awful times. Um, and uh, after, after the, the two are rejected, Sarah uh, and him continue to argue over selling the boat. Uh, and he still won't give up, even though he knows that she's right. Uh, so, guys, what did you think of this very human moment in this extraordinary world filled with armies and monsters, as Sarah puts it? Um, okay. like, I, I know I've said how I like the sort of grounded nature that the show is going to take. I did find that these scenes were probably the least interesting for me for whatever reason. I was just kind of like, OK, let's go. Um, really? Yeah, it was, I just wasn't connecting as much to that story as I was to Bucky's, I think. Um, but it is interesting. Like, so they don't pay these guys to risk their lives and save the world, apparently. Eh? Like, that's nuts. Yeah, I was, I was thinking it's, it's, it's kind of – it's cool that they had this very sort of grounded – you know, because it answers one of those nagging questions that grounds this world even further into reality, which is how do the Avengers get paid, right? And I, I love that these heroes who aren't gods or sorcerers, um, you know, that this allows us to, to see them and, and get on the ground level of how these people at the end of the day live their lives. So, you know, I can't wait to see how Marvel explores more of these questions uh, throughout these kinds of characters and, and throughout these stories. Yeah. But uh, I, thought I don't would. know, man. Go to, go to the bank. Go to the bathroom. How do these guys go to the bathroom in some of those suits? Okay, let's, let's answer that next. <laughs> okay. That's a bit strange. Uh, <laughs> sticking on the bank thing um yeah yeah i think that it's actually a, f a, a like it's the probably the most real thing uh in this 
this this this whole episode real in the sense that it, it's 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 what's happening now uh, with people yeah. trying to get uh, loans for businesses and and you know staying afloat for their business during these pandemic times. Uh, so speaking to the idea of how difficult it is to get a bank loan and also like to your point, grounding it with the sense of like, he's a superhero. You think a superhero like him gets paid like the government just pays him? No, he doesn't. He's basically a, a specialized hire that they don't really necessarily. And, you know, it's it's goodwill that helps, you know, so he's looking to saying like maybe this bank but that's yeah. just not going to that's yeah. not going to fly. And, and again, another example of was it really better to bring everyone back? after five years of of everything that happened like i think that's going to be an ongoing question like was it really right for the heroes to make that decision to bring everyone back five years later after the world was trying to get back in some sense of normality after everything had happened right so while yes it's joyful Mm. and, and you're able to be with your loved ones and we see this what did it do to the world right and how does it create new enemies and new divides so i think while we what we see here is another implication of yes a different time but also a time that does speak to to us in this current state with you know the racial connotations that were there uh the racial connotations that kind of came out of uh previous scene with Rhodey and sam where it kind of looks like he's he's kind of accusing it like not accusing him but asking him if if it was a race factor that didn't allow him to want to really be the captain america but you know he he obviously didn't necessarily lean into that. Uh, we're going to get one more obviously at the end here, but yeah, I think that there's just this this very real implication of of things that people can connect from today into this narrative. Yeah, and I loved I loved how um, you know I think the the whole family aspect with with Sam was really cool to explore yes, as well. Yes, right, like seeing that these people, you know, not all these a lot of our Marvel heroes are like they don't have any family. Right. So it was really nice to kind of go back and see Sarah and see the nephew, see the boys and just see the the community that's there. And honestly, I, you know, I got to just say it. I think it was really cool that, you know, it, it sucks that it's taken this long uh, after Wakanda to see this many black people on screen in an MCU project. But I'm you know, they're doing it. So 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 keep going with it. Right. And and the the I think the some of the multicultural aspects about how, you know, you've got Torres in here as a Spanish character. Like it just seems like they're, they're doing the right thing uh, with this series. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, and just really quickly, I know that uh, in the comics, Sam's has a sister named Sarah. So they're obviously bringing that into the, into this world. So yeah, it's always good when they, you know, flush out these comic sort of stories. Yeah. I think it's interesting that he compares, he compares the fact that, you know, what he's doing to maintain his his family home and his family business is to maintain his legacy and uh you know which is kind of ironic because he was given a shield from captain america steve rogers to continue a legacy but he didn't feel fitting to that to to, to carry that shield to hold up that mantle uh maybe right. it's not his legacy to to he feels like it's not his legacy that he needs to continue so i think that you know again Grounding it in in the idea of him maintaining the legacy of his his, his family name and the business uh, is is a very real thing that I think a lot of people can connect with uh, during these times. Cool. Um, okay, guys. So let's let's return to Bucky now uh, on his date where he mentions that he has poor circulation uh, and the two play Battleship. Uh, during the game, his date asks him a series of questions, um, and and she mentions uh, or sorry, he mentions that he has a sister. Uh, and that his parents have passed away. 
his date mentions just how nice it is that he hangs out with Yori uh, and that the hardest thing for Yori is not knowing how his son died. This causes Bucky to leave abruptly uh, after, I mean, it wasn't really the best date anyways, uh, to confront Yori. Um, but when he gets to the door, he sees Yori's vigil for his son and decides not to say anything. So guys, do you think we'll ever see Bucky make amends for this uh, this tragic act? Or or do you think he'll continue to be trapped and, and not free, uh, as his therapist calls him? Well, can he, can he ever move on if he doesn't make all of the amends, right? Obviously, right. this one will be the hardest one for him to do. Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to have to see it, right? He's going to need to do this to move on. And it's important uh, for the character of Nuri to, to get that closure. And I think he'll eventually... It, it'll be the hardest thing he's ever had to do, I think, is to tell him what happened. But I think it's it's necessary. So it's going to be tough, but but he'll have to do it at some point. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because, you know, I'm almost wondering if there's going to be a moment where we see uh, the list and we see, like, it's like, you know, it's an old list or something. Maybe he's been writing it for a long time or, or maybe he has an older version of the list or something. And uh, Tony Stark is on the list. Right. Like, I just think, like, how hard would that hit the idea that he never got to make amends with Tony? Right. He never had that opportunity. Uh, and maybe maybe something within the series is going to happen where he'll see his opportunity to to find a way to make amends in that way. Maybe he saves Rhodey or maybe he does something. I don't know. I think that would be int- an interesting, interesting. aspect uh, if they could pull that in. <laughs> some deep, some deep cuts that I think are very, very unlikely. Only the fact because it seems like the therapy session that he's in uh, is is part of a program as part of his pardon, as part of his 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 sort of re reintegration into society to make sure that he's not yeah. a mass murderer. It's it's policy for him to have done this. So I feel like he would have made that list during this these these sessions and uh you know would have would have had something you know it would be interesting though if if they do go down that road to play devil's advocate if it was his daughter that he that he had actually had to make amends to rather than oh wow Stark's oh, that's who it would be yeah. oh, and boy. then he, he walks away and he goes i love you four thousand <laughs> <laughs> oh nate get the tissues ready yeah. now for that moment, <laughs> i'm but. already crying i'm crying uh no i i like that a lot and justin just something you just said that really just stuck out to me though you know you mentioned how this is something he's doing through his therapy session isn't it interesting that we get this guy who goes through such a long period of time of having these rules as the winter soldier these the he has to follow these specific commands and go through a list of people right and now he's literally doing the same thing through his therapy session that's for healing. Uh, that's interesting yeah, yeah. but is for healing or again do we keep you know both eyes on the prize or whatever he says and then is it is there something nefarious going on ah that's interesting okay wow okay, sorry you, you kind of you kind of ran you ran with that one eh? i don't even <laughs> i ran with it i ran with it uh guys let's keep running with this plot here uh we then get to the scene uh where torres tracks down the flag smashers um the, he he finds their flash mob and after putting on a black mask uh he gets he gets a message that says run uh and immediately two large bags smash through the windows of a swiss bank above him onto the ground followed by a very large man who obviously has superpowers because to survive a jump like that um and also the way he like tosses torres around like a rag doll and like kicks a cop into a, a like a lamp post or something um torres then gets knocked out uh then 
Sam uh, takes one more crack at fixing his parents' boat, and it still won't start. He gets a message from Torres, who asks, uh, asks him to get to a secure line, and he reviews the footage of the supposed Flag Smasher's leader. Uh, and then while FaceTiming Torres, uh, he fills him in. Torres fills him in on the details of what happened. After asking if anything else happened outside the video, Torres responds by saying, Why? You don't think he could be a... And then, of course, Sam cuts him off uh, and asks him to keep the conversation between them. So, guys, you don't think he could be uh, what? Enhanced. What do you guys think? What do you think he, he is? Is he an enhanced individual? Is he a mutant? Is he uh, an enhanced? Is, you know, what was what was Torres referring to here? I think it's enhanced. I think almost a super soldier. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, and, I think and, they both have the same. They both have the awareness of the Super Soldier program, right? Obviously, um, and especially with Torres being such a big fan of of the Avengers, obviously he would keep up with that information, right? Yeah, well, that's a term that they use, right? Is like you know they they call those enhanced, right? So right. So I feel like he's 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 aware that whoever this guy is, he's obviously enhanced. Well, and and just as an Easter egg that I I found. Um, Somebody pointed out that in the credits, the words power broker watching appear. And oh. the power broker was key to uh, the character of John Walker getting his super soldier strength. And so mm. I think that is going to be something we deal with here is, is you know, these enhanced individuals sort of carrying the mantle of the, the, the super soldier serum. I got something that I'll actually, you know what? I'll save it for the end <coughs> for our theories. Okay. Yeah. I'll save it for our theories. <clears throat> okay. Um, Kevin, I, I hear what you're saying because, um, like, I'm wondering, because we know Zemo's going to be in the series. And, you know, of course, we've seen Zemo supposedly kill off all of the super soldiers that he was working on. But did he, right? Did he? Like, you, if you're Zemo, you're a bad guy. You keep some of those guys in the in the bank, right, that you can activate remotely or something, right? Like, I think that's that maybe that has something to do with how he actually gets out of jail. Um, so I, I really do think that this guy is pumped full of super soldier serum, uh, and, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see if, yeah, maybe he is the, the quote unquote power broker. Um, but guys, then in our final scene, uh, in this first episode, Sarah rushes into the room and tells Sam he needs to see what's on TV. They turn on the news to witness the introduction of definitely not America's ass, uh, the new <laughs> Captain America. So, guys, before we get into our final thoughts and predictions, what are your immediate thoughts of Russell uh, Wyatt Russell? Is it Russell Wyatt or Wyatt Russell? Hang on. What are your immediate thoughts of Wyatt Russell wearing Steve Rogers' outfit and donning that shield? Do you think he's a fake like the Mandarin was in the MCU? Or could he have been given some super serum? He didn't look like he had super soldier serum. Like he right? looked like he, a goof. He looked like he, a dork. His, 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 it, like the mask did not fit him properly. I hope he gets no. a new mask or something. Yeah, he or like, he well, just doesn't that wear was a, it. A choice, right? So sure. that he looked so out of place and sure. so silly. Yeah, he did yeah. look like a yeah. you know birthday party Captain America hire. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, Kevin's taking a drink and then. <laughs> Um, um, no, absolutely. Or like one of those like New York street, like <laughs> take a picture, yeah, give him some money. Times Square. It's, it's funny though, that the, this, was, this was the scene that felt the most TV to me because it, really? it was such a small set and it was such a small scene. Like they're announcing Captain America, the new Captain America. And this is all the people that are there. 
right? Like it's just, yeah. you know, it's outside yeah. of like a small little doorway. Like uh, this was actually on like uh, leaked photos, right? And the scene was actually very small. And I was thinking, oh, they're going to make mm. it like seem more epic with like, you know, maybe a street parade or something like that. No, they just kept it to like, you know, outside of like a, like a, a like the side door of a courthouse with stairs coming down. They announced it, but I, I it, it was, it felt the most TV out of the, the whole thing one part but you know i think the scene itself uh is is the final little note in this whole episode of this sort of racial undertone right like you can see as as he's they're getting ready to announce the way he's clenching his hands and like he knows what's about to happen and like and i think when they reveal like that he's like and you see his reveal that he's white and then you see sam's face like he he, he's kind of taking it more of a slight at at you know at his at his color, right? So I, I think yeah. that that's 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 really. I wonder if that's going to be very prevalent as an undertone throughout this, and if they're actually going to address it dead on, or if they're just going to play you know fast and loose like they're doing how they have in this episode. Uh, like to your first point, there, just it was like a fairly underwhelming introduction, and in the trailers we saw like this big football field, and he's and. You yeah, know, that's it looks coming. like a Captain America from behind. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe that's how the next episode starts. Maybe, yeah. And yeah, maybe he goes on gets, like, he goes, yeah, he goes on, on tour, tour like, yeah. like Steve did back in the exactly. in the war, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, but but like it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be fun to watch this guy suck. He's gonna he's gonna be in an opportunity where he has to be Captain America, and you just nobody can just be Captain America. And so this wiener of a, a guy is going to really show. Sam, that he is the one that has to pick up this mantle and, and continue the legacy. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, seeing him come out and seeing him wink, kind of, like, it made me mad, to be honest with you. Like, obviously, that's what Marvel wants. But I was just like, oh, this this guy, like, sucks. And uh, and I'm really excited to see just how much he does suck as a, a government-controlled Captain America. Um, I think it's possible, <coughs> like, if he does have the super serum at some point, like, I feel like it's going to bring some sort of like the boys vibes into the MCU, right? Where we have this guy that's very much like, no, you have to go to this part, this meeting here to meet with uh, this group so that we can get this sort of face value for, for this demographic. Like I could see the government very much being like, we need the world to embrace this new Captain America and his numbers aren't where they need to be. Um, so I could see them kind of going, going sort of boys with it. Um, but I think Wyatt Russell is a great choice and I, I think he'll either play a very dope bad guy or a very charming fake uh bad guy that turns out to maybe even be a, a good guy I don't know I, I feel like he's uh it'll be interesting to see right like they really could go one way or the other either keep him really weak or actually make him uh, an actual threat uh, so intriguing intriguing um, guys but that's it let's hear your final thoughts on this premiere and your your rating uh for you know, for this episode, which we're going to rate on a scale of one to five stolen cap shields. Uh, so, Kevin, let's start with you. Uh, I thought this was a really good start to what I think is almost going to feel like a five hour movie broken into six parts. Um, yeah, I'm surprised with how much setting up they still have to do with only five episodes left. Like we didn't get our big bad guy yet, I don't think. Uh, you know, we haven't got the team up at all yet. Uh, and so I think they're, uh, it's an interesting pace that they're setting with for themselves here with only five more episodes to go. Um, but I think it did a really good job of sort of sort of establishing 
you know, what we're going to find out about these characters and how we're sort of going to go more in depth with them as people, uh, rather than we've only kind of just seen them in action. And so now we're going to get to know them as characters. And it's, I'm, I'm, if you had told me that I would be uh, more interested in the Bucky scenes than the Sam scenes going into this, I would have called you crazy because I was always sort of like <laughs> a, a low. I was always a low key fan of Sam. You know, I thought yeah. he had a lot of fun. Uh, and Bucky's never interested in me. Interested me, and now I'm completely flipped on that. And I'm like, I want to get to know this Bucky guy. I'm a, I'm a Winter Soldier guy now. So there you uh, go. I'm excited going forward. I mean, in terms of the action, that was a movie quality 10 minute action scene, and we're going to get it on TV every week. That's right. exciting. So, in terms of you know setting me up and and being such a different pace and tone than WandaVision, I, I'm I'm down for that too. And so. I think it was a great start, so I'm going to give it 4.4, because I can only see it going up from here. I'm going to give it 4.4 stolen Captain America shields out of 5. All right. Went with the full name. I love it. Justin. Yeah, I think I'll give it... I'm going to give it a a solid 4.3 stolen cap shields out of 5. I I think that, to Kevin's point, it was such a great introduction to this story because it showed you the action scenes it it kept very the 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 conspiracy thriller uh vibe of of what captain america winter soldier and and even civil war to a certain degree kind of echoed um and and it brought that that into this this sort of this series um i'm really interested in how they're portraying the characters uh, I, I'm loving the focus that they have. They're they're having with with really trying to tell each of their stories, but weave them together. And I like the real world sensibility of of ingraining some some actual, um, some actual plausible things that are happening uh, in the in the world, whether it be race or whether it be financials and, and and things like that. Like things that I think are you know that can still be talked about in this fiction world of of the MCU. So. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm super. I'm super stoked. I think they did a great job, and and um, you know, it's just it set the bar. And I, I'm interested to see how each episode's going to differ because I, I feel like we won't get that level of action probably in every episode. But again, to show that level of action in your first episode and the attention yeah, to that's it, that's how you do it, right? They see you're setting the bar. Yeah. That's like that's your bar, right? So, you know, as the episodes go on, we'll see how they up that. Very cool. Yeah, and and you know, for for me, I I I'll very much echo a lot of what you guys uh, have said. I mean, what a great way to to fast track these characters' development, right? To to get us to a place where we care about them just as much as some of the characters that we've had multiple movies with. Um, and I love I love how Marvel, just how well they've transitioned into the new era of of Marvel with with more diverse you know the more diverse area era with with new superheroes that aren't just all white people right like we now have heroes like Miles Morales and Miss Marvel who we're actually going to see uh in an MCU uh you know property I I just I love that the series is clearly and unabashedly going to go into the themes of race and politics as we see Sam eventually embrace becoming his own Captain America a black Captain America. And uh, and I love how the show will very much represent what's going on in the world around us. You know, like even down to in this episode, we get a group of message board extremists, you know, starting a, almost like a, a very images of a riot almost outside of like a government building, right? Like it's, it's, it's just crazy how 
how much Marvel is willing to to mirror this stuff, and I I love it because I think that's something that they've they've always done, uh, and I love that you know again while Wandavision was so small that this is like an international you know spy thriller this is an international story within the world of the MCU in the aftermath of the blip and i'm excited to see where they they take this story and i'm so excited for new characters conti- to continue this legacy uh, of the MCU through phase 4 moving forward both narratively but also culturally and in new ways to represent heroes that more people can see themselves in with all of that being said I really think this episode was fantastic, um, but I think it will get better. So I'm going to go with 4.5 stolen cap shields out of 5. Great stuff. Okay, guys. So lastly on the show, we like to give any and all predictions for how we think the show might continue going forward. In our Mandalorian, we had what is the way. In our WandaVision, we had what's the vision. Uh, For this show, Justin, I want to know. What the Falcon is going to happen? Well, I feel like I feel like, you know, the the introduction of this enhanced uh, villain, uh, I think we if it's not the villain, it is one of the villains. Um, I think we'll learn more about potentially more testing of the super soldier formula. Uh, who knows if, if, if our new captain America wasn't part of the same testing, uh, there's might be some sort of ties, political ties here, uh, where, you know, they're using it to, you know, wreak havoc. Whereas obviously the government is using it to, you know, bring about a new captain America. Um, Interesting. definitely a challenge. Cause I think that's, that's going to be the impeding part for, for, uh, uh, Sam is him really negotiating with the fact that he doesn't have a superpower. Like he's not a super soldier driven and he's going to be combating a lot of these, these, maybe these sort of villains. Whereas obviously someone like Bucky Barnes, He's definitely a super soldier. He he is a the success of a Hydra initiative. Um, I think Zemo is going to help them. I think Zemo is actually he's a good guy. I think he's going to. I think he's really? going to be like a terrorist that they're going to track down, and he's going to end up helping them. Um, wow. I feel like he's in, rather than and maybe he is the big baddie, but uh, I think that there's there is an opportunity for him to kind of be that. But yeah, I don't know if I'm on board with the idea that this this guy is going to become uh, Torres is going to become the new Falcon by the end of this this series. Uh, I see that maybe being something that's going to happen later, much later down the road. I, I think he's he's more likely to wear a similar suit to Sam, which I think would resonate more with this universe versus mutating him and giving him wings. Like I just think that that's oh man. I just think yeah. That I don't think silly. we're gonna get physical wings no. it's going to be a suit when no. he does I feel like if he I, does take up that role and I just think that that and that works better because he's a military guy and like you can still keep that and he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna have a a different person like I like the idea that he would be the new Falcon I just don't know if I like the idea that he's gonna be mutated and 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 stuff I don't know if I'm 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 on board for that yeah if you're if you're introducing mutants into the MCU that's not the character I want exactly. it to be done with yeah. first yeah you know mm, definitely yeah. not mm. Well, Kevin, speaking of of what you might want, what the Falcon is going to happen? Uh, honestly, I'm terrible at at sort of predicting where things are going to go, and yeah. and I think Marvel is so good at um, not having everything just be obvious and predictable. I mean, that wouldn't be a lot of fun if we knew where this show was going to go over the next five episodes, and so they're For just sure. so good at just not really giving much away, not showing you their hand. Um, 
I'm looking forward to seeing Wyatt Russell. I really like him as an actor. I've always enjoyed him in anything I've seen him in. And so uh, I hope he's a lot of fun uh, to sort of see as this fake Captain America. Um, obviously, I think we're going to sort of see this big bad guy. I think they called him Davok or something in the credits he's listed as. And so I think we're going to see the Flag Smashers sort of really get to know what their agenda is here and what they're attempting to do. Uh, and maybe, you know, they escalate their, uh, you know, sort of actions in the next episode. And it leads to us needing to get Sam and Bucky together at some point. I think we're going to, we, we're going to have to get to that point at soon, sooner rather than later, I think. And so I'm hoping to see something happen in this episode that forces them to have to sort of come together. Very cool. Yeah. I, I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying, but I don't know. I, I, I really think. You know, if you say Mephisto is going to be in this goddamn movie. Mephisto is going to be in the show. Guys, let me explain. Let me explain. Mephisto. No. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, no, I, I really think this is going to be Sam and Bucky's story of dealing with becoming who they need to be in response to the world that they've missed out on, uh, you know, five years of living in. Um, I think we're going to get uh, not two, but three main villains here. Um, the I think Batroc is definitely coming back, uh, whether through LAF or not. I don't know. Uh, I think the Flag Smashers with Zemo. I think Zemo has a lot to do with the Flag Smashers. Um, and the U.S. government, I think, is going to be another villain. And I think that one is going to be the toughest part for Sam, being an ex-military. I think he's going to really struggle with with going up against that. And I think, I think the series is also going to introduce us to more super-powered individuals because... You know, if you notice during the end credits montage, Kevin, you already called out one thing. There was another thing. There was an image of a blue super serum uh, inside of like a what looks like a bullet casing. So, you know, maybe maybe at least one of these factions is creating these super soldiers, like we said. Um, and I really do think that Torres is is going to go bad before he goes good. Um you know, and I, I, I'm I'm even wondering if we get um, what if General Ross comes back and now he's the president, right? Because, you know, during that last moment, uh, what's, you know, whatever the guy, the guy who runs the Smithsonian or whoever that guy is, he's like, you know, and our chief, uh, you know, um, head of state or, or the president, like he, I think he says the president um, is proud to announce. So I'm wondering if maybe General Ross is is planning this sort of how do we take over the other members of the of the Avengers to create our own Avengers? And maybe... Maybe Torres is the replacement for Sam. You know, they've already got their replacement for Cap, and now they just need a replacement for Sam and all the other people that said no to the Sokovia Accord. So I, I think it there they could play with that. It would be really interesting to see if he does come back in the series that way. And uh dude, I'm just ah, there's so many wonderful, wonderful ways they could take this series. But uh I guess we'll just have to wait to see what the Falcon is gonna happen. Well, guys, that is it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's series premiere episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. Uh, and join us next week, where we'll, we'll come out of our brainwashed state uh, to give you our thoughts on episode two of this fledgling series. Uh, also, if you don't know, we have more than just Watch Club. We also have our regular episodes of the Geek-Centric Podcast, with our latest episode out now, where we share our top overrated and underrated movies in hopes that we don't break any hearts or lose anyone's geeky respect. Uh, so please go give that a listen and feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Justin, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for today's Watch Club. And as we say, on, on your, your left. left.